wonderful to see everybody here tonight to worship our God together. I want to especially welcome our visitors. Um, I believe we do have many that are here. We're especially welcome, and we hope that you can stick around after service and we get to know you um, <clears throat> uh, after services are over. I want to thank the elders for approaching me uh, to be able to, to ask me to speak tonight and in the absence of Brother Steve as he's in Africa at this time. And um, thank you to them and um, hope this lesson is beneficial uh, to all of us. So, as you can see, um, we're going to be talking about consequences tonight. Consequences of how sin affects us and others. This, this uh, came to my mind as we are going through our studies in our Bible classes here at Eastside. Um, we've been talking about the Israelites going back to when they've come out of Egypt. They've gone into the promised land. They've made some bad choices as they've, gone, as they've gone along, even though God has given them specific instructions on what to do and how to please him and how to worship him, how to be holy as he is holy, to be set apart from the nations that are surrounding them. And those choices have led to consequences to them and also to some characters we're going to look at tonight. <clears throat> and so... What are consequences? Well, first, definition I looked up was that they are the effect, result, or outcome of something occurring earlier. When we do something, something's going to happen, whether it's, it's a, a good or bad. Um, going through our, as I said, through our stories and in our Bible classes as parents, that's helped me to be able to teach my children that, you know, when you make a choice, some, if it's a good choice, well, good things are going to happen. But if you, if you do bad, well, you feel bad. And that has been beneficial as a, as a parent, as, as uh, having young kids as they go through these Bible classes together. We go all the way back to Genesis 3, and we see that um, consequences began then, of course, when Adam and Eve took of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, as God forbid them to eat of. And the, what happened, of course, they were thrown out of the garden. And death came about because of that. And, and sin was in the world. And as we go along, I'm going to go into Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 19 and 20. Brother Tim touched on these verses this morning. And I'm going to go in, into these verses a little, bit, a little bit differently, looking at what the Israelites did. <clears throat> and this is a warning uh, that Moses is giving to the Israelites as he is... Uh, presenting these speeches to them as they, they're, they've gone through the wilderness in 40 years, it's been 40 years, they're about to go into the promised land, and of course Moses isn't going to be able to go in because of what he, what he did, um, uh, disobeying God. Of course, there you get, that's another consequence that Moses had, um, that he wasn't able to go into the promised land that has been promised to, to God's people. In Deuteronomy 8, 19 and 20, and if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes <clears throat> to perish before you, so shall you perish, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. So a warning there to the Israelites. And of course, as we go through the story, we, go, we continue on through um, Joshua, through Judges, we see, of course, that the Israelites make those wrong choices. They go after these other gods. They didn't drive out the people from the land that uh, God told them to, and they are tempted by these uh, nations around them and to serve these gods, and unfortunately they do. They go into the ju judges. It's a cycle, right? They continue to disobey God. God sends the enemy. They pray to God. He sends a judge, they, but they 
keep going over and over again, making those bad choices and those consequences that happen to them. So as we continue on, Moses, is, of course, has died, and Joshua has taken over his place as the leader of the Israelites. They've come. We go into the book of Joshua, and Joshua 3. Joshua chapter 3, the Israelites have crossed over the Jordan. They're going into the promised land, they're going, uh, and they've come to the, the city of Jericho. They come to the city of Jericho, then, and God gives them specific instructions on how to overtake this city. This first fortified city that they've come to in, Genesis, in Joshua chapter 6, verses 15 through 21, we see what they do. We see that them, they're following God's instructions. And let's read those together, Joshua 6, 15 through 21. On the seventh day they arose early at the dawn of day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times. At the seventh time, when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city, and the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live, because she had the messengers, hid the messengers whom we sent. But you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have devoted them, you take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing of destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron and are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat, so that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. Then they devoted all in the city to destruction, both men and women, young and old, oxen, sheep, and donkeys, with the edge of the sword. So everything was uh, seems great now, right, for the people of God. They've overtaken Jericho. God has given them this city. But of course, we know as we go into chapter 7, we have the sin of Achan. Achan chooses to be greedy, to be selfish, and take the things that God said would be devoted to him and, uh, for destruction for, and to be taken to the treasury, and he takes them for himself. So let's read verse 1 of um, chapter 7. But the people of Israel broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of the devoted things, and the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. And as we continue on, we see in verses 2 through 5, they're going to be able to go up to the city of Ai. They're in, they're in good spirits. They, they know God is with them. They don't know anything about what Achan has done, but they believe that God is with them, and he's going to help them take them over this uh, city of Ai. So Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Bethaven, east of Bethel, and said to them, Go up and spy out the land. And the men went up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, Do not have all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. And do not make the whole people toil up there, for they are few. So very confident in this, aren't they? So about 3,000 men went up there, from the people, and they fled before the people, the men of Ai. And the men of Ai killed about 36 of their men and chased them before the gate as far as Shebarim and struck them at the descent. And the hearts of the people melted and became as water. So we have our consequence of Achan's sin here, our first one. About 36 men die. Achan wasn't um, affected by this, but these men were. Um, uh, these 36 men, or about 36 men, as the text says, um, die in this battle. And of course, Joshua doesn't understand why this has happened. What is, what is going on? We read 6 through 9. 
uh, together. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until the evening. And he and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all to give us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? Would we that had been content to dwell beyond the Jordan? O Lord, what can I say when Israel has turned their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear of it and will surround us and cut off our name from the earth. And what will you, and what will you do for your great name? <clears throat> Joshua doesn't understand why this has happened, but what, what is God's response? Um, God's response is to get up, right? In verse 10, the Lord said, to Joshua, get up. Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things and they have stolen and lied and put them among their own belongings. Um, so Joshua realizes now, oh, they're sinning in the camp. There, someone has done something wrong. Doesn't that happen to us today? We do something that we shouldn't do and something bad happens. God is saying, get up. You've, you're, you're doing wrong. You need to repent. You need to turn away from that sin and be holy as, as he is holy. I know as, <clears throat> as I've felt this way, you know, bringing up uh, 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 our children, that when they, when they do something and they're like, what, why are you punishing me? Why is it, well, I told you what would happen if you did this. And, um, but, <clears throat> you know, you just have to uh, be patient and understand, and have them understand Consequences come when, uh, and sometimes it's bad consequences come when you make the wrong decisions. And in this, in this case, the whole uh, uh, camp of Israel is being affected by this. All of Israel is paying for Achan's sin. So we go along in the story, and then finally, verses 16 to 21, God told them to devote them, to consecrate themselves, to come before, have a, everyone come before Joshua, and Joshua will talk to each one. And of course, Achan is called to Joshua and confesses what he's done. And they go to Achan's tent and they find everything hidden up, up, uh, under the earth. And Achan and all his family is put to death by the order of God. Because God said that in verse 15. And he, and he who has taken the devoted thing shall be burned with fire. He and all that he has because he has transgressed the covenant of the Lord. Because he has done an outrageous thing in Israel. So we see many others were affected by the sin, um, not only Achan. It wasn't just Achan that was affected. It was, it was others. It was the men that died when they battled Ai. It was, the, it was all of Israel. Um, and then, of course, uh, Achan and his family ultimately put to death. And then, of course, God is with them because the sin was taken care of as they go and we go into Joshua 8, and God is with them as they take over uh, Ai. Well, as we've continued on our classes, we've, come to, we've been talking a lot about Saul. Saul is, of course, was chosen by God to become, become the first king. And, of course, it wasn't something that God wanted the Israelites to have. Israel, uh, the Israelites demanded they have a king to, to be like these other nations around them. So God... Let them have their way. He gave, he gave them the opportunity to have a king. Samuel was told to go and choose Saul to be their king and, and anoint him in 1 Samuel uh, verses, chapter 9 and chapter 10. And so Saul is chosen and anointed. He defeats the Ammonites in 1 Samuel 11. We, 
see that there. Everything seems to be going well. And as, as Saul has become the king, he's doing what God has, uh, has told him to do. But, of course, not long after, we come to chapter 13. And Saul has they've been fighting the Philistines. And they have, uh, at this time, are hiding from them now as the Philistines are mustering together. And they're supposed to be waiting. They're supposed to be waiting for Samuel. And we read that in verses, uh, we see this first sin that Saul uh, has against God and disobeying um, the orders of God. In verse 8, he wanted, in chapter 13 of verse 8, he, wanted, he waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering over here to me and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him and greet him. Samuel said, What have you done? And Saul said, When I saw that the people were scattering from me and that you did not come within the days appointed and that the Philistine had mustered at Michmash, I said, Now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I, for so I forced myself and offered the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the command of the Lord, your God, with which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be prince over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord had commanded you. Of course, that man after his own heart would be David. As we know, as we continue to, to read through this story. But Saul... There could have had the kingdom continue to happen, continue to, um, he could have continued to be the king, but he did this, he, he performed this sacrifice, which was unlawful for him to do. He didn't wait for Samuel, and so the <clears throat> kingdom is going to be taken away from him, and we see that again, he does something wrong again in 1 Samuel 15. Saul disobeys and is rejected by God, and uh, 1 Samuel 15, and we can go to verses 7 and 9, 7 through 9. We'll see the, the end of what has happened. Well, let me scoot back a little bit. And, of course, this is when Saul was supposed to destroy all the Amalekites, right? Saul was supposed to take the Amalekites and destroy everything, every one of them, even the king, the, the women, the children, the, the animals. But, of course, they take the good stuff for themselves. And let's read First Samuel 15, verses 7 through 9. We'll see what... What Saul does. And Saul defeated the Amalekites from Havilah as far as Shur, which is east of Egypt. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive and devoted to destruction all the people with the edge of the sword. But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep and of the oxen and the fattened calves and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them. All that was despised and worthless they devoted to destruction. So Saul, taking it upon himself to keep uh, what was good, uh, what he saw was good in his eyes, and for some reason keeps this king, who was this evil king that God said needed to be destroyed, and yet kept him alive. And then verses 11 um, through uh, 34, we see that God rejects Saul, as we continue on through the chapter, God rejects Saul as king, Samuel confronts Saul, Saul, of course, makes these, all these excuses about what had happened. The, the, and he, he doesn't... Um, and then for why he didn't fully obey God. These excuses for why he didn't obey God all the way. 
And of course, the, he grabs Samuel's robe. Samuel turns away and the robe tears. And Samuel says, just like my robe, your, the kingdom has been torn away from you, Saul. And so Samuel, of course, is very frustrated. He doesn't know what's going on. Of course, later we know that Samuel will go and find David, who God sends him to. And so Samuel is the one that finishes what God instructed right there in the, the end of chapter 15, and he does destroy King Agag of the Amalekites. And, and as you continue through the story of Saul, as we've been studying, you know, Saul continues to be jealous of David. David has killed his ten thousands and Saul his thousands. And David is this great man, and, and Saul has no respect for David. He tries to kill David and pursue him many times, as we've been studying about. And then finally, he even seeks out this medium, this witch at, at Endor in chapter 28 of 1 Samuel. <clears throat> in chapter 28, he seeks out this medium. He, he wants her to bring Samuel back from the dead. When Samuel was there with him, telling him exactly what was going to happen, he, he still hasn't got it through his head that the, the kingdom is not going to be his. He's not going to continue as king. And so verses 15 through 19, we see what... Samuel has come back. He's going to speak to Saul here. In verses 15 through 19 of chapter 28, 1 Samuel. Then Samuel said to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? Saul answered, I am in great distress, for the Philistines are warring against me, and God has turned away from me and answers me no more, either by prophets or by dreams. Therefore I have summoned you to tell me what I shall do. And Samuel said, Why then did you ask me, since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy? The Lord has done to you as he spoke by me, for the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and give it to your neighbor, David, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord and did not carry out his fierce wrath against Amalek. Therefore, the Lord has done this thing to you this day. Moreover, the Lord will give Israel also with you into the hand of the Philistines, and tomorrow you and your sons shall be with me. The Lord will give the army of Israel also into the hand of the Philistines. So, we see that as Saul has continued to reject God's way, he's, um, we come to chapter 31 and we see this happen, that what Samuel has said come true, the death of Saul and his sons and this battle with the Philistines and these choices that Saul made. Uh, he continued to reject God. He did not, um, did not repent from what um, we can tell and he continued to dishonor what God, uh, God's wishes, God's way, and, of course, the consequences were, were dire. They were, he and lost his life, he lost the kingdom, lost his life, and, of course, his sons were affected by his consequences as well. And then we come to David. Of course, David, a man after God's own heart, right? He was this great man that we read about who did great things for God. He wrote these beautiful psalms that um, we're able to read and study today. But he did have a big mistake. He, he chose to... <clears throat> take this woman Bathsheba who was married and, and, and take her and commit this um, horrible sin with her. And then, of course, what he does to Uriah the Hittite. In verses 2 through 5, David of Second Samuel chapter 11, David should be, David should be at the battle with his, with his men. Second Samuel 11 verse 1 says, In the spring of the a year... In the spring of the year, the time when kings go to, to battle, David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. So David's staying at home when he should have been at battle. 
And then he sees this woman in verse 2. It happened late one afternoon when David arose from his couch and was walking on the roof of his king's house, of the king's house, that he saw from the roof a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful. And David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, Is not this and one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? So David sent messengers and took her. And she came to him, and he lay with her. Now she had been purifying herself from her uncleanness. Then she returned to her house. And the woman conceived, and she sent and told David, I am pregnant. David finds out who she is. And that's when he probably, well, of course, he should have stopped there and just um, went on his way. But he learns she's the wife of the Uriah, the Hittite, and he, he still took her. She becomes pregnant. And David doesn't seem to really show any guilt, does he? As we continue the story, verses 6 through 25, David sends for Uriah, the Hittite, to come to him and ask him how the battle is going and tells him to go to his wife. Go down to your wife down, uh, and, and to, uh, to your house. But Uriah, of course, does not go into his house. He sleeps outside of his house. And David uh, later gets Uriah drunk. And Uriah still does not go to his house. And, of course, finally David writes a letter uh, instructing that Uriah the Hittite be placed at the forefront of the battle. And that he, when he's at the forefront of the battle, you back up from him, so, draw back from him so that Uriah will die and be killed. And thus David trying to uh, uh, cover up what the sin that he has done. In verse 26 through, and 27, we see that Uriah is dead. Bathsheba will, will mourn him. And David will take her as his wife. Verses 26 and 27 when the wife of Uriah heard that, when when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she lamented over her husband. And when the mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house. And she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. David seemed to think everything was fine. He sent, seemed to think that um, I've covered this up, that everything's going to be fine now. He didn't even think about what God was, was thinking, even though he thinks he's done this in secret. But we know, as we read verse 27, this displeased the Lord. The Lord was very unhappy about this, what, the sin that uh, David has committed. And, of course, we'll see these consequences of David's sin as we go into the chapter 12 of 2 Samuel. Nathan comes, the prophet Nathan, to confront David. Tells him a story in verses 1 through 6 of, that angers David. And he wants this man that took this sheep to be, to be put to death. And of course, the, the famous verse in verse 7. Um, Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. And I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And... If this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Why have you displeased the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down excuse, you have struck down Uriah the Hittite with a sword and have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now therefore the sword will shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. So the consequences are given to David here. And continuing to verse 12, for you did, it net, you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. <clears throat> so David, of course, he, knows, he says, I have sinned. 
I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has also put away your sin. You shall not die. Contrast that to what Saul did. He continued to do wrong, didn't he? He continued to, to reject David. But David is, is sorrowful. We, you know, we um, read that great, great psalm that he writes about the, the sin with Bathsheba. Uh, that, um, and we know that David is truly sorrowful for what he has done. And he's not going to die. But there are going to be consequences. We've learned that this, this child will die. In verse 14, uh, Nathan tells him that. In verse 18, the child does die. And David accepts that. He accepts what has happened. And, but was this the only consequence? No, we go back and, and we read 2 Samuel 12, 11, and 12. What does it say there? Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against you out of your own house. And I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor. And he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the, of the sun. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. We come into chapter 13. We see that first, first person in David's family right, rising up and, and doing evil is Amnon. Amnon was David's son, and he had a sister named Tamar. And he violates Tamar, and she is trying, she's very unwilling, and he violates her. And their brother Absalom hears about this. And, they, and Absalom ends up murdering, murdering Amnon and taking his life. And then, of course, we talk about Absalom. Absalom in chapters 15 through 18. He rises up against his father David, tries to overtake the kingdom, and creates this conspiracy against David. David is taken out, he's driven out of Jerusalem and as Absalom is trying to take over the throne. In, in chapter 16... Or excuse me, chapter 15. Yes, end of chapter 16. We do see this, proph- this prophecy come true that back in chapter 12 of 11 and 12 that Absalom takes David's concubines in the middle of the day and, and takes them as his own, pitches a tent on the roof and takes his concubines in the sight of all Israel, just as God had said would happen. And then in 1 Kings 1, we have Adonijah, another son of David, that declares himself the next king, the next king of Israel. Though God, of course, has already said, Solomon's going to follow you, David. Solomon's going to be the next king. And, but Adonijah declares himself king, so they have to um, anoint Solomon king and, and announce that he is now the king. And so these consequences happen as you know, David repented, but these consequences still happened, didn't they? These things still took place that God said would take place. And, you know, our sins can affect us personally, but also others. As we've seen these, uh, through these three different um, stories tonight, they can affect our spouse if we're unfaithful. If we're doing things that we shouldn't, uh, as we think are secret, they, they can affect our spouse eventually and affect us and, and others. They, sin can affect our children. They can affect our parents, our brothers, our sisters, and of course our church family. Uh, if we continue in sin and continue to make the wrong choices, then uh, it won't just affect us, it'll affect others as well. And, but you know, we do have a choice. Moses chose and warned the people, as we saw in Deuteronomy. He chose uh, the, to serve God, and he wanted them to choose God. He wanted them to not go after these other gods. And then, of course, Joshua, as at the end of his life, in Joshua 24, 
verse 15. Joshua 24, he tells, them, he tells the Israelites to choose, to choose who they're going to serve. Joshua chapter 24, I had a mark there, turn to it. 24, verse 15. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua chose to serve God. He wanted his fellow brothers of Israel to do the same. Saul chose and he disobeyed God. And then David chose to continue to serve God and and repented. And he also warns his son Solomon before David dies. He warns Solomon to continue to to keep God first. In 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, he's speaking to Solomon here. When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon his son, saying, I am about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man, and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies, as is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. That the Lord may establish his word, and he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons pay close attention to their way, to walk before me in faithfulness, with all their heart, with all their soul, and you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. And, of course, Solomon starts out great, doesn't he? And sadly, he does um, go down that wrong path. Um, he's, uh, and he is separated from God, as we see at the end of his life. So the question is, what will you choose? Or will you choose sin that leads to death or the free gift of God that leads to eternal life? We read that in Romans 6, 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah writes about being separated from God, our iniquities separating us from God. In Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. Isaiah 59 1 and 2, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, or his ear dull, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear. What a very scary thing to think about, when our sin can separate us from God, and God not hearing us, not listening to us. So let's choose eternal life today. And a couple of verses um, and the lesson is yours, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. You can become a new creature, a new creation, and uh, as Paul writes here. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You know, through God's mercy and grace, we can become new. We, become, we can become a new creature. Um, if we are a Christian, we can ask for forgiveness. God will forgive us. If we have a, a sorrowful heart, God will, will take away our sins, just as he did David um, after he committed that sin. And finally, Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. 
putting on Christ in baptism. That, that is what we must do to be saved, and that, you can do that tonight. And if you're a Christian and, and need the prayers of the saints here, then no better time to do that than, than right now as well. And if there's anything that we can do to, to help you in, in your walk with God, then please come now as we stand and sing.